Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Interactive Burger Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks are under pressure again after yesterday's wild comeback on Wall Street. Fed policy in focus as the central bank begins its two-day meeting. Microsoft kicks off tech earnings on the heels of solid results from IBM. And the U.S. puts thousands of troops on alert in Eastern Europe. New York Mayor Adams is reviving the controversial anti-crime unit amid gun violence. Plus, former New York Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver is dying. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Knicks lost by two. The Rangers won in a shootout. St. John's beat Seton Hall, and it's the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. Future is pointing to more volatility this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 47 points. Dow futures down 202. And NASDAQ futures down 227. The DAX in Germany is up half percent. The 10-year Treasury down 330 seconds. Yield 1.78 percent. And the yield on the two-year 1.01 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 8 tenths percent or 66 cents at $83.90. Seven cents a barrel. Comex gold down two tenths percent or three dollars ninety cents at eighteen forty thirty an ounce. The euro one point one two eight one against the dollar and Bitcoin at thirty six thousand four hundred dollars. Nathan. Well, Karen, U.S. stocks are under more pressure this morning after yesterday's wild turnaround on Wall Street. Let's get the very latest live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Nathan, global equities wiped out almost three trillion dollars yesterday. That's before a dramatic reversal, so U.S. benchmarks end in the green. Jeremy Siegel at the Wharton School says these moves shouldn't come as a surprise. You know, when the market has gone up as much as it has since uh, March of 2000, this is still not a big dip, but I don't think the pain is over yet. Jeremy Siegel says, says the Nasdaq will fall 20% from its November high. Volatility is the name of the game. The VIX is up for a sixth session today. It briefly jumped to the highest level since October 2020 before receding. Well, the question facing investors now is whether any slide is a buying opportunity or pretends wider stress across more asset classes. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, U.S. futures aren't the only thing falling today. Stocks in Asia saw some heavy selling overnight. And we get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. 
Good morning, Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell the most since December to reach its lowest level since November 2020. Japan's Topics Index closed down 1.7% to enter correction territory. South Korea's KOSPI is nearing a bear market. It dropped more than 2.5% in Seoul. Australian stocks fell to May lows and bond yields surged after stronger-than-expected inflation data boosted bets on rate increases. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Juliet, thanks. The recent sell-off along with last week's slump is being pinned on concerns over tighter monetary policy. We get more clues on that this week as the Fed kicks off its two-day policy meeting. Bridgewater Associates founder Ray Dalio says the central bank is still too slow. The Federal Reserve has been behind the curve, slower to tighten monetary policy. And as a result, we're now starting to see the rise in interest rates to be able to deal with that. As that happens... All assets compete with each other. That means all the other assets have to adjust. We're in a process of making that kind of adjustment. Bridgewater Associates founder Ray Dalio made the comments in an interview with David Rubenstein on peer-to-peer conversations. Catch the show coming up next week on Bloomberg Television. Well, Nathan, outside of the Fed, traders are watching for tech earnings this week, and today we get results from Microsoft. Here with more is Bloomberg's Tom Busby. The big focus for investors, the software giant's Azure cloud computing unit and web-based versions of its office software. Also of note, holiday sales of its Xbox gaming console and video games. Just last week, Microsoft announced its biggest acquisition ever, a nearly $69 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard. Bloomberg forecasting revenue topping $50 billion for the first time ever and adjusted earnings of $2.32 a share for the second quarter. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. And Tom, results are already out from IBM. That company reported revenue that beat estimates. It has shares up nearly 3% in the pre-market. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet has more. IBM got a boost from strong demand in its software unit, which includes IBM's hybrid cloud offering. IBM's software unit, the biggest business group, grew 8.2%. The consulting unit, formerly known as Global Business Services, reported a 13% increase compared with the year prior. The results were the first since IBM completed the spinoff of a large portion of its legacy infrastructure services unit in November into a new company. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Bitcoin also in focus after yesterday's wild swings. So we get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Yesterday, headlines were all about the crypto crash, but Bitcoin snapped a five-day slide, and this morning, the world's largest crypto is trading lower once again. Analysts from Bloomberg's live blog say don't read too much into today's modest decline. While Bitcoin appears to be trading in correlation with stocks, analysts note that turns in the digital asset came before those in stocks, both on the way down and back up. Right now, Bitcoin is trading around 37000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thanks. Let's make a hard turn to geopolitics now, where Russia and Ukraine remain front and center. The U.S. is putting 8,500 troops on heightened alert as tensions swirl over a possible Russian invasion. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the very latest. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says on both sides of the Atlantic. The United States has taken steps to heighten the readiness of its forces at home and abroad, so that they are prepared to respond to a range of contingencies. And White House spokesman Jen Psaki says it could come at any time. It never uh, ruled out the option of providing assistance, additional assistance in advance of an invasion. President met with European leaders and says they discussed severe sanctions as well as securing the eastern flank of NATO. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak.
And thank you. Turning to the pandemic now, we have encouraging news in the battle against the Omicron variant. Pfizer and BioNTech say a pair of studies confirm three doses of their COVID-19 vaccine produce antibodies that can neutralize the Omicron variant. That's according to lab studies published in the journal Science. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 607 on Wall Street. Clouds and 37 degrees in Central Park. We have an accident on eastbound Route 287 at exit 10 in Rybrook. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams vows to take immediate action to end gun violence. During his first few weeks in office, there have been a string of tragic and high-profile crimes. We need help. We need resources. We need backup. Adams called for the state to enact more restrictive bail provisions and announced plans to revive the controversial anti-crime unit. They were the plainclothes units disbanded under former Mayor de Blasio after misconduct complaints mounted. However, Adams says the units will be monitored. But my fellow New Yorkers, we are going to do a lot more than pray. We're going to turn our pain into purpose. We're going to unite and take action. Mayor Adams says his goal is to bring thousands of guns off the streets. Meanwhile, a vigil was held outside a Harlem police precinct last night in honor of the two officers shot Friday night. Rookie policeman Jason Rivera was killed. His partner, Wilbert Mora, is fighting for his life. Mourners held prayers outside the 32nd precinct. A New York state judge has ruled that the state's mask mandate can't be enforced. The mandate was reinstituted by Governor Hochul until February 1st over concerns about a winter surge of coronavirus cases. Hochul says her administration disagrees with the ruling and is pursuing every option to reverse it. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman signed an executive order challenging the state mask mandate after taking office this month. The governor does not have power unilaterally, and the health commissioner does not have power unilaterally to make rules that materially affect people's lives without respect to the collateral damage that's done, especially to our to our school children. Nassau County Executive Blakeman called it a great victory. Meanwhile, the State Department of Education says it will still require masks for students in schools while the decision is appealed. Former New York Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver, who was convicted on corruption charges, has died in federal custody. He was 77. No word yet on the official cause of death. New York Mayor Adams' choice to have his first paycheck in Bitcoin. It's not looking great, at least for now. He likely lost about $1,000 as the cryptocurrency market fell. Adams says, though, he is a long-term investor. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanchak. All right, Nathan. Tough week for the next three games and five nights against three of the top five teams in the East. First stop, much improved Cleveland, 50-50 to at halftime. Kevin Love got hot in the third quarter. He made six three-pointers. Knicks in the fourth wiped out a 15-point deficit, but R.J. Barrett missed a three that would have put them ahead. The Cavs won 95-93. Love scored 20 points. Barrett had 24. Knicks are in Miami tomorrow and then go to Milwaukee. Rangers-Kings at the Garden. The game went to a shootout twice. A Ranger had to score to keep it going. Both Artemi Panarin and Alexis Lafreniere did then did that. And then in the sixth round, it was time for the Rangers' Adam Fox. Fox, deep, shoots, scores! Rangers win! 
Adam Fox goes up top, but was caught in the top of the inning. The Rangers celebrate. Half the team goes to Fox. The other half goes to Sisterkin. From the EPN, the call. Rangers won 3-2. They're 9-3 since New Year's Eve. St. John's and Seton Hall made up a game postponed by COVID. So the two games between the three between the teams in three days, Pirates won Saturday at the Garden. Red Storm won at Walsh Gym going away 84 to 63. First on-campus game for Seton Hall since 1989. A couple of lefties played a long five-setter at the Australian Open. Rafael Nadal won the first two sets. Dennis Shapovalov the next two. Nadal pulled it out in five. Also on to the semifinals goes American Madison Keys. Women's top seed Ash Barty crushed American Jess Pagula. 6-2. 6 love. John Stashauer. Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John. Thank you. S&P futures now down 39 points. Dow futures down 137. NASDAQ futures lower by 201 points. That is a decline of 1.4%. Ten-year Treasury down 430 seconds. The yield 1.78%. This is Bloomberg. Coming up to 612 on Wall Street, Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit a tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are falling this morning as investors weigh concerns about tightening monetary policy and geopolitical tension against positive earnings reports. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 38 points, Dow futures down 143, and NASDAQ futures down 197. The DAX in Germany is up eight-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds, yield 1.79 percent. Yield on the two-year, 1.02 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up eight-tenths percent, or 67 cents, at $83.99 a barrel. COMEX gold down a quarter percent, or $4.80 at $18.39.40 an ounce. The euro, 1.1282 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3473. The yen's at 114.13. And Bitcoin this morning moving lower at $36,500. Also watching NVIDIA today, down about 2.5% this morning. Sources telling Bloomberg NVIDIA quietly preparing to abandon its purchase of ARM from SoftBank Group after making little to no progress in winning approval for the $40 billion chip deal. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The Pentagon says Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has ordered about 8,500 U.S. troops on heightened alert, preparing for possible deployment to Europe if needed to reassure NATO allies in the face of Russian aggression on the border of Ukraine. Russia says, though, it has no plans to invade Ukraine. North Korea appears to have fired two cruise missiles this morning toward waters off its east coast, according to a South Korean military official. The North has ramped up a barrage of tests this month that have rattled regional security. In the NBA, the Knicks lost. In the NHL, the Rangers won. The Bruins and Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We get right back to the market action now with Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. 
as we watch futures continue to fall this morning after the wild turnaround yesterday. I know a lot of analysts were looking for choppy waters uh, to start this year, but were we expecting anything like this, Daniel? Well, I think there are two things that explain why it's been so volatile at the beginning of the year. So, number one, I mean, we did anticipate over the course of the year an increase in real interest rates, and that would put pressure on valuations, particularly for growth stocks. And the question was really just when that would happen and how quickly. So we have the answer to that question. It's now and it's very quickly. I think what's exacerbated it, though, has been the disappointment on the earnings side. And not, you know, per se in the results themselves, but on the guidance. I mean, typically you have about 20% of companies when they report giving positive guidance. So again, at the best of times, it's not necessarily a high number. But last year, uh, we know we had earnings surprises, significant earnings surprises through the whole season, and positive guidance was around 50 or sometimes even 60, 70%. Over the last couple of weeks, it's been 5% uh, out of this earnings season. So I think that's been the kind of other unpleasant surprise in all of this that I think has made this downturn a lot more severe. Do you expect this downturn to go further? And if so, how much? Well, you know, that's always the, the key question. I think the two things that make us still a little bit cautious are, number one, if you look at valuations, and again, for growth stocks in particular, they're certainly lower than they were, but uh, nowhere where you'd call cheap and, and nowhere yet uh, the levels you were at prior to the latest QE round that followed uh, the pandemic. And secondarily, without kind of better earnings support, uh, you do think that there's still some nervousness. The other thing to keep in mind is, you know, you're getting more and more discussion about even more interest rate hikes next year so instead of three four up to seven so until the market until the market has settled on a number there the risk or the concern is going to be that it's higher interest rates and again further pressure on valuations and putting further pressure i would imagine on the fed is that what you're thinking here is we're waiting for chairman powell to come out with the uh, policy decision tomorrow well, this really is perhaps a litmus test. There was always a question, you know, whenever, you know, we talk about uh, central bank puts, Greenspan put, and so on, and if they see a significant decline in the market, you know, would they later in the year have paused uh, the interest rate hikes or the balance sheet runoff? Well, that, that question is going to pose itself now. How, you know, much do they say, particularly around balance sheet runoff? Because that's been the big change uh, over the last several weeks since we had the last Fed minutes. You know, how quickly they're going to do that, and, you know, we won't know what they would have said otherwise but you you wonder if they're going to be quite as aggressive now given how the market's reacted. What's your call on what we could get from the Fed tomorrow? Uh, I, I think we see the market pricing in, uh, you know, already five hikes, and that could go a bit higher. Uh, we anticipated they're going to attempt to, one, be clear that they are going to address inflation, but at the same time, perhaps be a little bit more cautious about how quickly they're going to do that uh, to let the markets at least digest the news that they've had to deal with over the last few weeks. Just to take a little broader view here, Daniel, what did the wild swings like we saw yesterday tell you about the health of this market right now? Well, certainly you would like to see a, a bit more uh, breadth in the in the market itself. I think what we're always wondering about is, you know, what point will kind of broad investors, retail investors, institutional investors feel things have fallen enough to, to come back into the market and, and buy the dip in a classic sense. Uh, you know, whether we necessarily saw signs of that yesterday, I, I think probably not. Like I said, we really haven't seen valuations reset to a level where stocks are cheap in absolute terms. Uh, I think what we're seeing is, you know, when you're transitioning from an environment, you know, really 
really over the last 15 years, uh, with the exception of the hikes under Yellen, but still broadly a falling interest rate environment to what we appreciate now is secularly different. Uh, there's just going to take some time for the markets to adjust to that, and that implies a lot of volatility. All right, Daniel. Thank you, as always. Good to get your insights this morning after a pretty wild start to the week. Daniel Morris is Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Want to cro- pass along a red headline just across the Bloomberg Terminal. GE has reported fourth quarter revenue that missed. The average analyst estimate came in at $20.3 billion. The uh, average estimate was uh, $21.3, so a billion-dollar miss there on overall revenue in the fourth quarter. And right now, GE shares are tumbling on the earnings right now, down 7.5% in the pre-market. As for the broader market, we see futures continuing to fall with uh, S&P futures right now down 42 points, Dow futures down 170, NASDAQ futures are lower by 208 points, a drop of 1.4% there, and the 10-year Treasury is down 530 seconds, the yield 1.78%. We'll have much more on the GE earnings, plus the latest on the market's wild ride and the latest on the standoff over Ukraine. Five things you need to know to start your day coming up right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy to start. Partial clearing later today with a high near 40, low 20s. That's all we'll get tomorrow. By Thursday, it'll be partly sunny, upper 20s. Currently 37 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Trade crypto for less coin with commissions as 12 to 18 basis points and no hidden spreads or markups. Learn more at ibkr.com slash crypto. Up first, we're seeing more pressure on U.S. stocks this morning after yesterday's wild turnaround on Wall Street. S&P futures are down 44 points or 1%. And we get the details on these moves live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Karen, the S&P 500 fell about 4% yesterday before ending slightly higher. Volatility is climbing. The VIX just closed shy of 30 compared to a lifetime average just shy of 20. According to calculations by Bespoke Investment Group, Monday was the sixth time since 1988 that the Nasdaq erased a 4%-plus interday decline to close higher on the day. Strategists tracked by Bloomberg are still bullish with their year-end average forecast for the S&P 500 close to 5,000. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks. And Bitcoin's in focus as well after yesterday's wild swings, and it's trading lower again today. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita? Nathan, yesterday headlines were all about the crypto crash, but Bitcoin snapped a five-day slide. Analysts from Bloomberg's Markets Live blog say don't read too much into today's modest decline, though. While Bitcoin appears to be trading in correlation with stocks, turns in the digital asset came before those in stocks, both on the way down and back up. And right now, Bitcoin is trading at 36000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. The slump in risk assets is being blamed on forecasts for Fed policy. And we get more clues on that this week as the Fed kicks off its two-day policy meeting today. 
And uh, Karen Earnings are front and center as well. Microsoft reports results this afternoon on the heels of upbeat numbers from IBM. The shares are up almost 2% after the best sales growth in 10 years. On the flip side, General Electric earnings out moments ago missed, and GE's shares are down 7%. And taking a turn to geopolitics now, it's all about Russia and Ukraine. The Biden administration has put as many as 8,500 troops on alert for deployment in Eastern Europe. Former Obama campaign foreign policy advisor David Tafuri says Vladimir Putin is a threat. Until the last six months, people didn't really recognize the threat that Putin posed to Ukraine and to our other allies in Eastern Europe. And I think people in both parties are waking up to that now. Former Obama campaign foreign policy advisor David Tafuri spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day brought to you by Interactive Brokers. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 37 degrees in Central Park. And Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York Mayor Eric Adams says the recent violence is reminiscent of the city's dark days in the 1970s and 80s. New Yorkers feel as if a sea of violence is engulfing our city. Adams has announced the city will step up efforts to seize illegal guns and institute a multi-pronged plan to tackle the issue. Adams, in his blueprint to end gun violence, is bringing back plainclothes units where the violence has been highest. These units were disbanded under the previous administration, but the mayor is bringing them back and promising that they will be monitored. Gun violence is a public health crisis. There's no time to wait. We must act. Mayor Adams, as a vigil was held last night in front of the 32nd Precinct for the two officers shot in Harlem last night, or last Friday, one officer, Jason Rivera, died. His partner, Wilbert Mora, is fighting for his life. The suspected gunman, LaShawn McNeil, died of his injuries yesterday in a Harlem hospital. A New York State Supreme Court judge ruled Governor Kathy Hochul's mask mandate is unconstitutional. The rule was set to expire February 1st. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman signed an executive order challenging the state mask mandate after taking office this month. It's a great victory for the people of the state of New York. It's a great victory for our school children. And it's a great victory for both the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of New York. Nassau County Executive Blakeman as the State Department of Education says it will still require masks for students in schools while the decision is appealed. Three Baltimore firefighters were killed and a fourth remains in a critical condition after being trapped in a fire inside a vacant home that collapsed. Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott. This is a gut-wrenching tragedy uh, for our city, for our fire department, and most importantly, for the families of our firefighters. Mayor Scott says the blaze is now one of the deadliest in the city's history. Former New York Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver, one of the most powerful figures in state government for two decades before his conviction on corruption charges, has died in federal custody. Silver had been serving his sentence at the Federal Medical Center in Massachusetts. The Manhattan Democrat who told a judge he prayed he would not die in prison was serving a more than six-year sentence. Sheldon Silver was 77. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thank you.
Almost 636 on Wall Street. John Stashauer is here the Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan. Nice comeback by the Knicks in Cleveland. They trailed by 15 in the fourth quarter rally to tie the game. But the Cavs won 95-93. Damage done in the third when Kevin Love kept hitting three-pointers. He scored 20 points with six threes. R.J. Barrett led the Knicks with 24. Another win for the Rangers at the Garden. Another goal for Chris Kreider. Came with two seconds left in the first period. Kreider, nine goals in his last six games. Leads the league with 30. The Kings led 2-1. to one. The Rangers tied it with six minutes left. They won 3-2 in a shootout that lasted six rounds. Adam Fox, the game winner. Nice rebound for St. John's. Two days after a home loss to Seton Hall, the Red Storm beat the Pirates easily. 84-63. Aaron Wheeler, 17 points, 10 rebounds. Due to COVID, the game was played on campus in South Orange, where Seton Hall had not played since 1989. Rafael Nadal into the semifinals of the Australian Open. He won a five-setter with the Canadian Dennis Shapovalov. Ash Barty trying to be the first native Aussie to win the women's single since 1977. She has been dominant. Took out American Jess Pagula, 6-2-6 love. Madison Keys won her quarterfinal match. Baseball players made a couple of concessions as the two sides met to try to end the lockout. New Mets manager Buck Showalter wondering when or if there will be spring training. Hoping for the best. Uh, I think the players are too. And uh, I'm going to get into handicapping the, the lockout. But, uh, you know, we're trying to prepare for all scenarios. No one, scenarios, no one that... It's probably completely, to be completely such is impossible, but we're going to try. We'll find out tonight who's going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. David Ortiz is expected to make it. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. All right, John, thanks. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta joins us now. Starting off, Kriti, with a big deal that's no longer a done deal in the chip sector. Yeah, let's just start off with NVIDIA. NVDA is your ticker down 3.2% in the pre-market. This is coming after news that they're quietly preparing to abandon their purchase of ARM from SoftBank after making little to no progress in winning approval for the $40 billion chip deal. That's according to people familiar with the matter scoop from our folks over in San Francisco. This is important because we know NVIDIA has been dealing with a lot of regulatory scrutiny, both in the U.S. and the U.K. So this is a deal that has struggled to take off. And now it looks like they are willing to call it quits. So once again, down 3.2% NVDA. Moving on, though, to an earnings story, because once again, Nathan, we are getting into the thick of it, into the thick of earnings season here. We're going to kick it off with International Business Machines, otherwise known as IBM, reporting right. a revenue last night that beating analyst estimates buoyed by strong demand in the software unit including ibm's hybrid cloud offering signaling the company's efforts to transform the 110 year old tech giant well they're working out uh, those shares are up 1.9 percent in the pre-market nathan and uh Creedy, as you know we've got a lot of earnings just this morning to get to Yeah, this morning, General Electric missing Wall Street sales estimates. Uh, GE is your ticker down 6.2%. This comes after they're grappling with supply chain pressures, the effects of the Omicron variant. This is not a good look for the CEO, Larry Culp. He is planning to break up the conglomerate starting next year, and it looks like it's not coming from a position of strength. So certainly a company to watch. In a similar vein, J&J, which is also the ticker and the company name, down 1.5% in the pre-market. They also reported earnings. This time, though, the guidance beat the 
average analyst estimate. But why is the stock down? It's because they're saying a good chunk of their sales growth came from their vaccine sales. Now, we know this is a problem that we've seen with Moderna, that we've seen with Pfizer, that because all of their growth is coming from vaccines, as more and more people get vaccinated, the question is, where is that next leg of growth going to come from? So J&J, once again, down one and a half percent. I'll wrap it up here, Nathan, with Microsoft, because they are the uh, big company to watch after the bell. MSFT is your ticker, down 1.1 percent in the pre-market, playing to report second quarter earnings. That's their fiscal second quarter uh, after the bell, expected by analysts to be the first three-month period in which sales top $50 billion. Nathan, we'll see yeah, if that comes true. Busy earnings season continues. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta, as always, thank you for the pre-market checkup as we look at markets as a whole ahead of this Tuesday morning open. More pain, perhaps. With S&P futures now down 50 points. Dow futures down 202. NASDAQ futures are lower by 248 points, a drop of 1.7%. The uh, 10-year down 330 seconds. The yield 1.78%. Latest on tensions with Ukraine and more from the nation's capital next with Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partial clearing late today with a high near 40, sunny, breezy, cold tomorrow, highs only in the low 20s. We'll make get up to 30 on Thursday. Right now, 37 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. Futures falling this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the red right now with Dow futures down 253 points. Sesame's dropped 57. Well, the Nasdaq futures are off by 274. The U.S. 10-year yield at 1.79%. Gold is down 5. Oil is little changed. And Bitcoin is down by 1.5%. Shanghai dropped 2.6% overnight, while European markets are in the green, led by 1% gains in France and Spain. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 10 o'clock, consumer confidence and Richmond Fed. After the bell last night, IBM had its biggest sales jump in at least 10 years. And regarding some of the earnings this morning, GE revenue missed estimates. J&J 2022 adjusted EPS forecast beat estimates. And 3M EPS also beat estimates. In deal news, NVIDIA is said to be planning to abandon its takeover of ARM Holdings. And wrapping things up, Snowflake was raised to buy over at Loop Capital. Marathon Petroleum cut to neutral over at Piper. And Viacom CBS raised to sector weight over at KeyBank. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK, and also crossing the Bloomberg with Pfizer saying it started a study of a COVID-19 vaccine that targets the Omicron variant. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The U.S. is putting as many as 8,500 troops on heightened alert for deployment to bolster NATO forces in Eastern Europe if needed as Russian troops mass on Ukraine's borders. Russia has denied it intends to invade. In the NBA, the Knicks lost in the NHL. The Rangers won. The Bruins and Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. Sorry, stock traders. The Fed won't have your back. 
I'm Brian Chapata, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Bad news, pandemic-era investors. The Fed won't have your back as it once did. Over the past 22 months, the playbook has remained constant. Buy any dips in large U.S. equity market indexes and profit. But that hasn't worked in the first three weeks of 2022, with the S&P 500 and NASDAQ 100 each falling by more than 10% at one point. That's one clear hint that the stock market is coming to terms with the reality that the Fed put is disappearing in the rearview mirror. Even after this latest swoon, it's highly doubtful that policymakers will be knocked off course at their meeting this week. There are four main reasons for this. The Biden administration has okayed the tightening. Extreme hawkish calls from market watchers make the Fed's stated course more palatable. The Fed has been worried about market froth for a while now, and credit markets are still calm. So expect the Fed to use its decision this week to signal that it will raise the Fed funds rate from near zero in March and probably begin balance sheet runoff around mid-year, dialing back a combination in the face of persistently elevated inflation. I'm Brian Chapata. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 6.50 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Ranked a top 50 national public university by U.S. News and World Report and a top 10 for best career place among public schools by the Princeton Review. More at njit.edu. Now here's us making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. New research suggests giving extra cash to low-income mothers can change their infant's brain development. Researchers say brain measurements at age one showed faster activity in key brain regions in infants whose low-income families received $300 plus monthly for a year compared with those who got $20 each month. The research Researchers are investigating whether the payments led to better nutrition, less parent stress, or other benefits to the infants. Fund managers without a CFA qualification may perform better over the long term than those who have taken the exams. That's according to a new study that looked at the careers of more than 6,000 managers and found persistent performance was more likely in those without the charter and who studied technical degrees. The CFA says other studies have opposite conclusions. And the world's biggest, most powerful space telescope is a arrived at its observation post one million miles from Earth a month after it lifted off on a quest to behold the dawn of the universe. The James Webb Space Telescope fired its rocket thrusters for nearly five minutes to go into orbit around the sun at its designated location. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios where it's just about 6.52 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. where some of the top stories include 8,500 U.S. troops put on a alert to boost NATO near Ukraine, President Biden targeting consolidation as he tries to tackle inflation, and the president caught in a hot mic moment with a reporter's question about the politics of price pressures. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. Very busy times in the nation's capital, starting off with this latest news about troops now on standby from the Biden administration. What's the latest on the Ukraine tensions, Emily? Yeah, the U.S. is putting as many 8,000, as many as 8,500 troops on high alert, uh, to go to Eastern Europe. The U.S. is saying that this is not a deployment, that they're not being sent to Ukraine. They're saying this is a proportional response to what Russia already has at the border. But Nathan, let's be clear, this is certainly more than the Biden administration was doing previously, signaling a more aggressive stance and really in line with what President Biden said that, you know, he does expect, uh, an attack from Russia. 
really at any point. That said, there are still diplomatic options open uh, and that are being explored as far as what the U.S. can do in terms of sanctions, in terms of diplomacy, negotiations. Remember, uh, the U.S. and NATO are supposed to have this written response to Russia's list of demands. Um, but at this point, I just really think it, it speaks to how high tensions are right now and how much of a focus the White House is putting on Ukraine and Russia. And we've heard from the Kremlin this morning warning that this U.S. decision to put all these troops on alert is exacerbating tensions. Where does this leave room for diplomacy at this point? What are you hearing uh, on Capitol Hill? So lawmakers on Capitol Hill, they're actually all back home right now, but there are still discussions, bipartisan discussions going on about what, if any, sanctions the U.S. can put on Russia at this stage, looking, of course, at financial sanctions, uh, potentially cutting them off from the SWIFT uh, banking program, as well as sanctions that would make it harder for them to get chips, harder for them to get U.S. dollars, uh, potentially things in terms of, of energy. Um, and so those are all things that are being discussed right now, but we're not expecting any movement from Congress until they get back next week. So at this point, I think most eyes are on the White House as far as how they are going to be moving, as well as the European allies. We know that uh, French President uh, has uh, planning on having a conversation with Putin later this week. Biden talked with European leaders yesterday. So certainly lots of discussion going around uh, with the U.S. and its allies. And even with all this simmering, Emily, we know the president is keeping his eye on domestic concerns as well, most specifically, most prominently, inflation. Yeah, so President Biden uh, did talk yesterday a little bit about inflation. The route that the White House is really taking right now is to say that they want to cut down on major uh, conglomerates of companies and make the market more competitive, saying that that is going to help reduce prices both in the short term as well as in the long term. And, of course, Nathan, the White House has floated a lot of theories about why inflation is at its height, um, it, but it's maintained at this point. It's still been an issue for the White House. And it's clearly something that President Biden is getting frustrated over. We saw him give a, uh, I don't know if I can repeat the response verbatim on air, uh, but okay. a, a tense response to a reporter that he then had to apologize for after the reporter asked him about inflation and the midterms. Yeah, I guess uh, that vo- that moment, that hot mic moment that I think is, has gone pretty viral at this point. What does it say about the frustrations that the president is feeling, not just potentially about uh, the price pressures right now, but about his own political standing. I mean, President Biden's uh, approval ratings are really at the lowest from his entire presidency. We've seen them consistently go down since August and his botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. That was followed by his signature social policy and tax plan getting stalled in the Senate. Uh, voting rights, his party pushed on that and wasn't able to make any progress. Inflation is high. Omicron is, is dropping a little bit, but it's still very much a problem. Uh, and so to a lot of extent, the things that President Biden really set out to accomplish in his first year. Many of them remain to be done, and time is really running out before the midterms, where there is a very real chance that Republicans will take the House and and really deprive the Biden administration of being able to move any sort of policy in the last two years.
Volatility on the geopolitical front along with the markets this morning. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins, as always, thanks for the update from D.C. Read more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And as a reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington as well at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Uh, just to reiterate some of the breaking news this morning, Pfizer says it has begun a study of a COVID vaccine that targets Omicron, exploring its use in previously vaccinated younger and middle-aged adults, as well as those who haven't received another coronavirus shot. Shares of Pfizer right now down about 1.1% in the pre-market. We're also watching shares of GE as well. Uh, they are moving uh, quite a bit lower this morning as their overall fourth quarter revenue uh, came in well shy of analyst estimates. We'll be watching those shares throughout the morning here on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television as well. As, of, as far as the broader market goes, S&P futures are down 54 points. Dow futures down 234. NASDAQ futures are lower by 251 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 230 seconds. The yield now 1.77%. Bloomberg Surveillance up next with Tom Keen, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz. For Karen Moscow... I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.